Welcome to the Vita Foods Insights Podcast. Join us as we explore the latest in science and innovation, helping the global health and nutrition industry connect, develop, and progress. Today's host is Charlotte Bastianza, Associate Editor. Hi, and thanks for tuning into this podcast, which is part of VitaFoods Digital Week. If you haven't heard, VitaFoods Digital Week was launched to keep the global nutraceutical supply chain connected to the latest science and innovation through a series of media assets. You can head to vitafoodsinsights.com to discover more podcasts, as well as a range of other entities produced as part of VitaFoods Digital Week. But today I've got the pleasure of hosting two gentlemen from IMCD Group, a global company that specializes in sales, marketing and distribution of specialty chemicals and food ingredients. With me today are Bora Turan, who's Global Director of Nutraceuticals, and Stan Basterfeld, Global Supply Chain Director. Welcome both and thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Charlotte. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you for uh, having us. So today we're talking about how COVID-19 is affecting ingredient supply and manufacturing. Uh, since the outbreak of the, the coronavirus in, in January, we've seen significant impact across not only our industry, but of course many others affected by regional restrictions, plenty of challenges around logistics, providing supply and meeting demand, some areas to a lesser degree than others. It's really encouraging to see that some regions are starting to return to a form of normal, but of course, there's still a long road ahead and and we need to consider the long-term implications of the looming economic crisis as well. So two areas that we're diving into today are the impacts of COVID-19 on firstly, ingredient suppliers, and secondly, around business operations and logistics. But before we get into that, I'm really keen for us to talk over the general mood across the supply chain. Stan, in your position, I'm sure you've got plenty to share with us. What are the greatest challenges that are being felt across the supply chain at the moment? Okay, um, well, to start, I think it's fair to say that that even before the uh, imposition of the of the lockdowns and the spread of COVID-19 across the world, um, there has been severe disruptions in China and those were having a ripple effect already on the, on global trade flows. Most companies across the globe uh, had been working to make their supply chains leaner, and the emphasis had been on minimizing costs and just-in-time deliveries. And this has led to reduction of inventory buffers um, and left actually no room for adequate buffers for safeguards. Uh, the vulnerabilities of this system, um, yeah, they have been brutally exposed by COVID-19. What we now see then is that shipment volume is driven by, is actually greater in the market. The volume is up, but global air and ocean freight capacities are down, reaching, let's say, 90 to 100% in India, China, and rates for charges have doubled, sometimes tripled in many cases. Um, air freight rates have reached unprecedented levels, so premiums must be paid uh, yeah, to get uh, cargo uplifted uh, on a priority basis. Yeah. And thanks for that, Stan. And if I can add as well to the other uh, you know, topics that is, is challenging, but to, to link to that, the this existing freight capacity issue in India and Asia has certainly greater impact on the nutraceutical industry as most extraction of botanicals, as you well know, are manufactured uh, coming in from these two countries. Uh, 
And likewise, China is a large producer of amino acids, and both India and China produce important quantities of uh, vitamin and minerals for the world. So this led me to our second challenge, the production. Um, and due to COVID-19, we are seeing big surge of demand for certain products, like the immune-boosting products especially. But vitamins, minerals uh, are, that are associated with immunity, like the vitamin C, the zinc, among others. Um, and of course, certain botanical species that are known by the public for their positive immune health uh, benefits have been uh, quite challenging. Uh, to give a specific example, um, you know, today there is, for example, no availability of the roots of Echinacea purpurea. So um, this this certainly uh, uh, been a challenge, uh, and and uh, if I can even give a further example uh, on the vitamin and uh, minerals, in addition to vitamin and minerals, the amino acids. So it is well known the uh, amino acids that have been manufactured in China due to the closure. There was a severe tightness and especially a big shortage on the essential amino acids. So these are, uh, to summarize, the logistics and the production has been the, uh, um, a challenge for us. Right. So Stan, you, you touched on challenges around managing trade flows, cost and inventory buffers. And, and Bora, you, you spoke about China and India being very key manufacturing sites for the nutraceutical industry. What are some of the approaches that you have noticed in your position that you can highlight around how businesses are addressing these challenges and coming out the other side at this time? Yes, thank you. So from a production point of view, I would say like our customers and suppliers, uh, you know, have put in place very strict cleaning process and social distancing as well once they have opened. Uh, but of course, this has an impact on the production capacity, let's not uh, forget. Uh, Stan could say a little bit more about the, uh, uh, how we, we tackle the, uh, the logistic part in the warehousing. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Bora. Yeah, as a distributor, of course, we, we, we have a function of, of, of stockholding um, to ensure short lead times and, and, and fast access to local markets, um, often within 24 to 48 hours. So consequently, we hold stock in several locations across yeah, Europe and the globe, if you like. In case premises in certain countries do close down, we're actually able to provide from, from other locations. Um, so we uh we yeah we could say we keep the business going yeah yeah then, yeah one final point that is quite important that what we are doing uh is is of course we are monitoring the 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 customer demands and uh, we are talking with uh, with them who are requesting well above their usual patterns uh mm -hmm. to try to ease this uh, this demand you know, I would like to point out that these time of crisis, this, these sudden changes of order pattern and large demand in certain product lead to slow the stock turnover for other products. And mm. uh, so you consequently, you have the, those less needed product that have been ordered in accordance with the customer's regular demands are taking freight space and they end up staying in warehouses longer. And hence, the, you know, they are taking also warehouse spaces. So therefore, we are in close communication with our customers and, of course, our suppliers. And, and forecasting are even more crucial at this moment uh, than ever. So as IMCD, uh, you know, for a regular product, we hold a couple of months of stock uh, against our customer annual demand. And there is no need really of, of panic buying, I would say. 
Um, and of course, for those higher than usual demand from the, the uh, um, consumers, you know, we are communicating regularly and uh, updating the lead times. So communication is really key in these uh, times. Um, I think it's really interesting how you've mentioned that customers are changing their purchasing patterns and, and buying above their usual orders. I know this is an area actually that we wanted to speak on a bit more, which is really taking a closer look at the COVID-19 impact on ingredient suppliers. Mm-hmm. How Can we talk a little bit more, Bora or Stan, about how these demands have shifted and what are some of the real pressure points on the ingredient supply chain to meet these demands? Certainly, if I uh, can uh, answer that question. So, uh, first of all, uh, you know, we have done this analysis as well. So, when we uh, we compared the our first quarter, so how it was comparing to the last quarter in the same time. So, although we had a very good quarter and we had an increase, uh, when we look at the uh, uh, the product that has been uh, regularly sold, actually we have not seen uh, a massive increase. So it, I would say the uh, for the first three months, it is comparable. However, where we see there is certain product that is especially in demand. And these are, as I mentioned earlier as well, the uh, what I would say the immunity product range. And to give an example, uh, we have seen a surge in demand for the Andrographis paniculata uh, we s- receive uh, a one third of our annual demand in March alone. So, uh, you know, we hear from our customers that some of their product have run out of their stores, you know, in the stores, and they receive demand, which is also shifting the production, as I mentioned. Um, so we have seen a good growth in, in Q1, uh, but this was mainly driven by launch of actually new products. Um, so therefore, we are still seeing demand for product that falls under other categories as well. Um, I mean, Shumen, um it is still a bit maybe early to, uh, because January, February, we didn't have that many uh, spot uh, uh, increases, but we are starting to see more in March. And I think this will have further effect in uh, April and, uh, uh, and May. So, Bori, you, you mentioned the correspondence between ingredients with immunity benefits and the overall booming performance of the immune health category. I think that is the category that's in the spotlight right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what other ingredients are you seeing in demand that reflect how other categories could be performing? Um, you know, when we speak to industry stakeholders, we're hearing that um, a lot of consumers are quite invested in their mental well-being right now as well. Um, are you seeing that reflected through ingredient demand? Indeed, indeed. I mean, as you as you said, uh, certainly the immune product. I mean, the, we see echinacea, elderberry, andrographis, zinc, vitamin D has been increasing. But where we have seen, for example, especially vegan vitamin D3, which was an increasing demand in itself, so it's gone up. But we also see, for example, for sleeping pattern product, our natural melatonin had uh, a lot of uh, demand. Likewise, digestive uh, digestive health product has been uh, uh, more and more demand, and certainly the well-being a category that I, it is a bit of a large category. But uh, this is where we are seeing, uh, like the lemon bulb, um, you know, the calming, the cognitive effect products. These are uh, certainly more demand, and we see that even if uh, not purchase, there are more projects as well that uh, uh, people are working on those. 
I think it's interesting that you you mentioned some of the vegan ingredients because I think that certainly reflects the greater plant-based trend that consumers are moving toward. Um, you mentioned things within, about ingredients with calming effects. I think mm. sleep, health and cognitive performance are, are very key areas at the moment. How do you see these, these other de- ingredient demands or how do these reflect potential long-term product development? Are we going to see more growth in these categories once we come out of the pandemic? You know, what is your view for the long term about how these these markets will perform according to how these ingredients are being positioned right now? Yeah, we we believe we believe so. I mean, uh, certainly in the short term, we see the uh, you know the R and D having more time, uh, and so this is more more reactive interest I will call for the immunity and support product. But the proactive R&D teams, uh, you know, here now more time currently maybe, they tell us that they're looking to develop robust formula in innovative formats, which are scientifically proven to be efficacious. So this is where our active and excipient expertise come as well into enforce, because we develop with them uh, as we speak, you know, gummies, oddities, uh, utilizing science-based portfolio. So I think we should also, you know, um, uh, this well-being category, it it will it is here to stay. Um, so cognitive, mental health, digestive system, as I mentioned before, uh, certainly that. I mean, uh, this is my personal view as well. But uh, probably everyone will need more milk thistle and uh, you know the atelix, which is our clinical study art to show post-COVID after all this also drinking that we have been you know maybe a bit more using. <laughs> Bor, it's great to hear the overview of where ingredient demand is and how this reflects the response to consumer demand for certain health needs. But of course, there's there's really complex process to bring these products to life from their raw ingredient to the finished product stage, and that, and there's a lot of layers relating to business operations. And this is the second area that I really want to get um, stuck into. So. My first question, I guess, is, you know, which are the regions or countries that are the most affected in terms of manufacturing, reduced workforce and restricted transport? We know in light of lockdown and even though some regions are returning to normality, there are a lot of restrictions that have been put in place, many of which are out of our hands. Where are we seeing um, the greatest effect and what are some of the most pressing issues at the moment that are stopping brands from being able to get their products out? Yeah, I think Stan will be able to give yeah. you quite good overview uh, on that. So I'll leave it to Stan. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that there was already a sort of fundamental shift in the way in workforce uh, as new technologies and, uh, and, and thoughts on workplace culture started to change the way we work. And the, um, the COVID-19 pandemic um, accelerated these changes at an, I think, nearly unimaginable pace. Um, coronavirus has seized control of New York, um, but in Europe, um, for example, we see Ain in, in Spain and Italy who are severely hit. And then India uh, is the second most populated country in the world. And um, COVID now actually exposes Indian industries, uh, supply chains that are very vulnerable. Um, COVID basically crippled India to, due to the high population density and relatively limited healthcare infrastructure. Uh, the government in India then again found itself um, compelled to order a complete nationwide lockdown for 21 days, 
which started, if I'm not mistaken, on March 25th. Um, yeah, the impact on this already beleaguered Indian economy, struggling with yeah, slowing growth and shrinking consumption, is in a way a matter of uh, acute concern. Uh, the food and pharma segments, um, again, they're, they're designated as essential and thus uh, open for business. However, uh, logistics by either road, air, ocean uh, does remain a problem. Certain trade lanes have simply been, been cancelled um, and that forces them to ship via yeah, other available ports or take long routes via road. Um, and what we then see is that uh, yeah, lead times increase uh, and, and so do cost. Yeah, and I think the cost aspect is really important. And But first, I just sort of want to loop back, Stan, with you know, Europe obviously relying on other countries to carry out a lot of their manufacturing and aspects of their transport work. Road, air, water shipments are all stalled in certain areas. How has the supply chain adapted to maintain the supply to Europe? I know that it's taking longer than anticipated, but I'm sure you have some insights as to how um, European suppliers are navigating this. Well, yeah, it's how they're doing it, and, and that, that differs very much. But I think businesses must respond on multiple fronts at once. Um, at the same time that they work to protect their workers, their safety, uh, they must also safeguard their operational viability. Now, um, of course, um, increasingly under strain from, uh, from a supply chain shock, um, the current landscape, we see short-term responses on tackling issues that require quick action across the end-to-end -end supply chain. And um, I think items to name, um, they need to start creating transparency on, on multi-tier supply chains, um, eliminate available inventory along the value chain, assessments of realistic um, final customer demand, um, things like optimizing of production and distribution capacity to ensure employee safety is a measure, um, identifying and uh, securing logistic capacity, estimating capacity and accelerating where possible, and being flexible on transportation mode where and if required. Um, and not to forget, um, manage cash, cash and, and, and networking capital by running stress tests to understand where supply chain issues will start to cause financial impact. And what about beyond manufacturing? Some companies have finished products that are stuck in sites that have been forced to close. What are the challenges around the distribution of products that are already complete and ready to go to market, but they're stuck in storage? Yeah, so COVID has disrupts China shipping and, and, and world ports. They really do feel the impact. Um, and containers are stuck everywhere. Factories are now getting back into operation. Um, getting freight to the docks, neutral suppliers are, well, they're not shut down, but we face ex again extended lead times, increased cost on top of what we see um, is also the impact of uh, Lunar New Year holiday in China. Uh, Stan, you mentioned cost earlier, and of course, this is something I'd love to expand on because this is going to inevitably be impacted by the fact that we have reduced availability mm. of ingredients, a lot of companies looking for the same ingredient, we've got issues around transport. How is cost being 
affected and how are brands managing this at the consumer level you know can we expect consumers to be paying more at their at, at retail for for these products because we know how there are shifts occurring across the supply chain allow me to to answer to to this question um uh, so you're right uh, and and stan has already mentioned the the implication of the the prices and the logistics so the main factor at this present it is the logistic where we saw the uh, the air transport for example uh, costs are tripling so we have cer- seen certain raw material shortage that has driven the price up hence for certain product we are waiting for the next harvest uh, to be able to give a price you know I, early on i mentioned about uh, echinacea you know today there is no root of echinacea available there is only the top of the plant so we don't know what will be the um, pricing uh, for the uh, for the next harvest. Um, but today is really the uh, transport cost that we are seeing. Uh, but if the demands of these uh, certain products continue, certainly there will be an increase on the raw material costs that will you know inflate end um, uh, product prices. So. Um, th- this is, uh, you know, we are working on, of course, with our suppliers, with the, we also, as uh, IMCD, we are talking directly to the producers of the, you know, the plants as we do our extraction ourselves. But uh, offering demand will also dictate uh, the raw material price um, as well as the freight demand. Thanks, Bora, for that overview. And I think the ongoing work with suppliers and keeping those lines of communication are really, really important, not only for the supply chain, but to manage expectations at the consumer level too. Um, Finally, I just wanted to end off with, I suppose, a bigger question. Um, At the moment, we know that supply is tight. We understand that there are a lot of challenges around logistics. But again, looping back to China and India being such primary manufacturing sites for the global and especially the European nutraceutical industry, what could the impact be if we, if the main sites located in these two countries close? No, very good question. Um, of course, uh, well, hopefully we will not be we will not be closed for long, but. Uh, if we look at uh, especially the botanical uh, product, this will have a huge impact. Um, as you, you well know, uh, the raw material are harvested in these countries. And then uh, it's, it's not economical to transport large quantities of raw material for extension to another country. So there we will have a real problem. Uh, so this could dramatically reduce the availability of extracts if they uh, remain shut, uh, you know, th- those countries. Um, so for vitamin and minerals, this situation may be slightly different, but uh, as there, there we have some uh, Western producers. However, um, there will be some shortage because the, you know, reduction of supply in, in India and China, which will then naturally lead to the increase in price and lead times. So eventually this could lead to increasing capacity maybe in Western Europe for, uh, you know, certain product. Uh, you know, this is, we, we all talk about this. However, uh, you know, to, to reduce, of course, the, our liability on India and China, uh, but there are limits to it. As I mentioned, you know, the bot- botanical extract is one of them. So uh, indeed they will have a, uh, we will have to maybe think you know more locally 
Uh, however, I doubt that we can, uh, you know, be just no longer a, a global um, economy. Well, there you have it, the state of the supply chain and some of the key challenges that the industry is currently facing around supply, manufacturing, transport, distribution, and of course, cost. The situation changes daily, so I think working closely with partners and maintaining regular communication, if not over-communicating, is of utmost importance to see all of us come out of this pandemic and economic crisis in firm standing. Um, Bora and Stan, thank you very much for your insights. I think you've really delivered some very valuable information around how brands can navigate the supply chain and some of the challenges around ingredients and transport. Um, we're all holding thumbs that we come through this and that all businesses come out okay. Thanks very much again for your, your time and for all of our listeners. There's loads more to discover in terms of podcasts and other media assets. It's part of Vitafood's Digital Week. So please head to the site in the description to find out more. Thanks, Boren Stan. Thank you very much, Charlotte, for giving us the opportunity. And keep safe and healthy. Yeah, absolutely.